1: The most valuable business.
2: Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks banking services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Only funds in envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. Welcome to Recode Media. With Peter Kafka. That's me. I'm taping this in Brooklyn because it's 2020, and that's that's what I do in 2020 is I tape things in Brooklyn. Sports are back, so this is a Recode Media special pandemic sports edition. Baseball started last week. The NBA starts today. We're delighted to have sports. At least I'm delighted to have sports. It's important for uh, the media business. Advertisers desperately crave sports. Programmers crave sports, and and audiences want it. Um, But sports is weird. The NBA is being played in a bubble, which kind of sounds good, but that bubble's in Florida, which is not the best place to be right now. And speaking of Florida, half of the Florida Marlins tested positive for COVID. So. That team is not playing baseball and, and the whole question of whether we're gonna have a baseball season uh, is sort of unsettled. It's a work in progress. And I don't know if you've watched a the game, they're, they're, they're weird uh, because there are no fans at the stands. It's baseball and, and it's basketball and it's a real sport, um, but it is a weird experience to watch it without a, cr- without a crowd there, even when they pump in fake crowd noise. I guess we'll get used to it because we've gotten used to everything else, like not leaving our house or hugging our friends and family. Ah, what a bummer. Okay, but this show was great. It's a good show. Uh, We've got a bunch of different guests you're gonna enjoy hearing from all of them. First up, we have Brian Windhorse from ESPN. He was the last Recode Media guest I interviewed in person. Uh, Some of you may recall that that Brian and I talked hours before the NBA shut down and the rest of the country shut down. That was back in March. We're also gonna talk to Lindsay Adler, covers the Yankees and baseball for The Athletic. And then we'll talk to Tanya Ganguly who covers the Lakers for the LA Times. And she is in the bubble. So we're talking to her about bubble life. These are all good chats. You're going to like them. So let's get right to them. First up is Brian Windhorst. Hi, Brian. Nice to chat with you. Uh, The last time we talked, it was in person. You were the last person I interviewed in person at Fox Media headquarters uh, the second week of March, because after we talked, the world shut down. So uh, nice to chat with you again. I wish we could do it in person.
1: Yeah, you know, I went back and listened to that podcast yesterday and um, I think it was either that night or the next day that the NBA shut down.
2: It was that night. We talked in the afternoon. You said, I don't think the NBA is going to be able to finish the whole season, but maybe they'll get part of it done. And we were debating whether it be the playoffs or not. And then you said something along the lines of one thing I know for sure is if any player gets sick, gets tested positive, the whole league shuts down. And then hours later, Rudy Gobert uh, shut down the league.
1: But I remember I said, well, you know, this might cause a pause of four to six weeks. Was a little off, a little off on that one. Well, here's the thing. Everyone was off,
2: and we, we've done many, many uh, uh, takes of, of who got what wrong. The media got a lot of stuff wrong, but it was natural at the time in early March to look at places like China and say, well, they've, they've got it sort of under control, and they're opening up sports again, and the U.S. should be able to do that. And in truth, that is kind of what has happened around the rest of the world. Uh, we all know what's going on in the U.S., what i wanted to do is talk to you a bit about sort of what the state of play is with basketball today and then we could talk about how we got there i think people who pay attention to this podcast pay vague attention to sports know that the nba is restarting that it's all happening in disney world in florida there's a bubble there uh what else should we know in general about what's happening with the nba restart
1: yeah so there's 22 of the 30 teams that have gone to play why 22. well because part of the way they were able to convince the players to do it was that they agreed to give them back salary. You know, the, the, the union contract with the league had a force majeure clause in it. And right there in black and white, it says that in the event of an epidemic, the word epidemic is in there. And I know that's interesting because there's a lot of other insurance and other contracts that don't have that. Um, they can cancel it and not pay the players. And um, so to convince the players to to actually go do this, to submit themselves for potentially up to three months in the bubble, if you make it all the way to the end, it's going to be around three months being in there. They had to basically save enough television money to make it worth the players while. And so – They couldn't do all 30 um, because they were just a little bit worried about handling that many people, and they they negotiated back and forth for a while. But by bringing 22 teams in, they will play 80. They're going to hopefully play 88 regular season games. Um, where television revenue will be able to be collected, and they will be able to save $650 million in salaries for players that otherwise would have been lost. And the deal is, is that even if you're not on one of the teams that um, went to Orlando, um, you get your paycheck for those eight games, so an additional eight paychecks.
2: So if I'm one of the if I'm one of the lowly Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, my, my miserable team, uh, I'm still going to get paid in some way, even though I'm not in the bubble.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I, so there were some teams that were very disappointed that they couldn't go. But there were other teams that were like, look, I don't have to take the risk of going and I still get my eight my eight game checks. Um, it, it made a you know, there was a lot of people who said, hey, this is actually not so, so bad of a deal. Um, there were a handful of players who opted out and said, I'm not going to come. And if you were not excused, in other words, you didn't have a pre-existing condition or you didn't have an injury, you just said, hey, listen, I just don't want to play. You didn't get your paycheck for for those games.
2: Let's just sort out the money part. So you have the players, you have the league, you have the networks and the advertisers. Uh, is all of the money that advertisers had committed to spending down the NBA, is that still going into NBA games? Uh, is all the money the NBA was expecting to collect from from programmers like uh, Turner and ESPN, are they still getting that high, or, or is all this sort of prorated?
1: Yeah, so the a huge key was uh, 70 games. So uh, most of the television, the local television contracts, have a clause in them that says you you have to be guaranteed seventy games, the, you know. Normally there's eighty two games, and the other, which means that you can you can get up to twelve games a year that national television can take from you, uh, and not put on your air. But you're guaranteed seventy. The in the case of um, the New York teams, uh, MSG is guaranteed seventy yes is guaranteed 70. So most teams had played between 62 and 65 games. So these eight games for these 22 teams, all for almost all of them, not quite all of them, will get them to that 70 number and guarantee that they will get their full local television money. And in some cases it's millions of dollars per game or millions of dollars, you know, it's hard to say that you're saving the money or earning the money because this is basically capturing money that otherwise wouldn't have gone out the door. So by playing these 88 regular season games, they satisfy a majority of teams, local television deals and also return 670, 650 million that would have been lost. And so the overall, you know, the overall savings is it's a billion dollar move to be able to play just the, you know these eighty eight regular season games and then the playoffs.
2: So when you say savings, you're not not saving money. You're you're, you're retaining right. money that would have lost you're, you're, Got
1: it. you're closing the window as the money is flying out the COVID window. You know the the thing about this is though that this they're not playing at Disney World for free. You know uh, Disney World is. You know, owned. You know, owned by Disney, obviously. It also owns uh, ESPN, ABC, the primary sponsor. So there was a working together, and um, it's costing the NBA about a hundred seventy million dollars to use Disney World for these three months. To use um, multiple resorts, to use their facilities now, uh, to get food, to get uh, entertainment, to get other things. Now, I have no idea what. The actual value of of renting a, you know if you were me, Peter, called up uh, Bob Iger and said, "Hey, how much to rent throughout three hotels and three arenas for three months i 'm not sure what the cost would be, but i 'm sure that there was some arrangement done, but the point is is that this endeavor is costing the league money, but they 're doing it to retain uh right. you know other money was going out the door and also to give And like same- and like you said the same, it's also from Disney right like you know
2: Disney has has a very vested interest in having televised basketball uh, both in terms of the, the the actual revenue they would get from from every one of those games, and also there's nothing else on TV as we all know, right? There's everyone has except for Netflix, everyone has run out of content. There's no new programming coming. Uh, there's no live sports, and and so the in theory, the value of of any kind of live sports goes way way up uh, for Disney and everyone else over the next few months.
1: Yeah. So the first Major League Baseball game out of the chute, which was the defending champion Nationals against the. Uh, um, it was against the Yankees uh, last week, over the weekend. Um, yep. It got 4 million viewers, and it got rained out in the sixth inning. So uh, you know, there were probably some viewers on the West Coast who didn't get to watch it. But uh, that had 4 million viewers, which was one of the highest-rated regular season telecasts, I don't remember what the notes were. But it had been a long time since 4 million people watched a game on cable. And so there's an entire slate of NBA games and NBA playoff games coming up on ESPN and TNT, and they are hoping for ratings in that in that range. But in the short term here, and one of the things that is set up with these arenas, you know, if you watch a um, Trailblazers Grizzlies game, if the Trailblazers are designated as the home team, the Trailblazers local sponsors that they have sold will be shown on the boards around the court. I don't know what some of the local Trailblazers sponsors are, but – and so they're doing everything they possibly can to retain every single dollar that they can in addition to providing the fans with something to watch.
2: I know that baseball has changed some, some of the rules of the game. Uh, and again, baseball is a whole other situation. Maybe baseball is not going to happen after all. Uh, but they've they've changed the designated hitter rule. They've changed. They're going to put a man on second base in extra innings to make the game go faster. Any changes to the way the game itself is actually going to get played, or is it still basketball the way we were watching it last spring?
1: No. Um, there's there's changes to like how they're going about it. Uh, you know, the players are now socially distanced on the bench. Right. There's all kinds of. There's a hundred pages worth of rules of how they have to operate while in that that, uh, bubble environment. But in terms of what's going on out there on the rectangle of the court, it's going to be regular basketball.
2: They're still posting up and dunking and banging into each other and all of that.
1: Yeah. And it it is a little absurd, Peter. I will say that, um, uh, that you can go out there and sweat against and, and, bang into a guy at the middle of the, the lane and knock a guy on his backside and, and all that stuff. And, you know, they're not supposed to be really slapping fives, but they are. Yeah, yeah. And then you go over and you say, no, 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 I have to sit five feet from this, you're six feet from this guy on the bench. It's a little, you know, it's a, you know, it's a little bit absurd, but they're doing the best that they can. And, um, you know, we haven't had a, a a release of tests in a week, but the last time the NBA Release testing information. They had zero positive tests in the bubble. It's been a incredible success thus far, but of course, it's so fragile.
2: Right. Everyone's crossing their fingers, and what happens if we do have an outbreak? Again, we're seeing that in baseball right now, as we're speaking. What is the contingency plan if a bunch of the Lakers get sick? What What happens then?
1: It is. They have not been clear. You know, I, there was a hundred. I think it was a hundred thirteen page document that was produced at extraordinary effort by the league. I mean, they took months to research this, and they they, you know, consulted so many different experts and but they they purposely left vague um, what it, what it, what it would mean. you know, what would necessitate them to stop. And I think that they just will know it when they see it. Um, uh, I will I will put it this way. They have prepared for positive tests. It will not be one. We you know, the last time we spoke, It took one to shut it down. It will not be one. It will not be two. And my guess is it will not be three. You know, one of the things that in talking to executives in the league, they wonder if there'll be a different standard applied. For example, if three Wizards players test positive, will the Wizards be asked to leave? Uh, if three Lakers players test positive, will they say, go into quarantine and we'll see you in two weeks? Uh, You know, um, being that you you don't want to say goodbye to the Lakers, but you have no problem saying,
2: right. You want to keep LeBron James. You want to keep the LA market. What what have you, so you're not, you're not in the bubble. Was that your choice? Was that ESPN's choice?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I I can't say what my bosses would have done, but they came to me a while ago and said, are you interested? And I said, no, um, you know, I have a two-year-old and, um, you know, the concept of being down there, you know for months. the other thing is, is that the way the NBA has done the technology, um, you know, you can really be an active media member from, from your home. You know, I can attend these press conferences that they're having uh, virtually. I can ask questions. I may not always get my question through because you have to go through a queue. And if, you know, if LeBron is only taking six questions that day and there's 12 in the queue, I may not get it. Um, But I, I'm talking to people in the bubble every single day, uh, whether it's coaches. Right, like, like
2: like everyone else, you can you can do remote work. And we're gonna hopefully talk with Tanya Ganguly, who's uh, covering the Lakers from the only Times that is in the bubble. But uh, what I have been reading is that the people who are down there are very restricted in terms of what they can do. So you can't sidle up to a player uh, at practice or something and then get some one-on-one time. Um, so there may be even less benefit to being there in person. What, what do you think of the, the product? Does it look like basketball to you? Is, I mean, obviously, there's. If anyone's watch hasn't watched an NBA game, check it out. It's it's weird. There's there's a sort of simulated fans, there's simulated cheerleaders. It's not as weird as baseball, I think. Um, it kind of reminds me of like going down to a YMCA and watching a game. It kind of looks like a a small court. Have you noticed any change in the actual product?
1: Yeah, I was really worried about this, Peter, because the players have been off for four months. Um, and uh, it's typically out of their routine. They weren't able to do normal their normal off seasons. Although, it's very clear if you watch all the teams, it's very clear that some teams may have been practicing with each other, and others mm-hmm. were not. Um, that's one of the it's one of the things that's being whispered amongst executives. Um, but I don't know. But um, you know, the NBA it's is whispers
2: of secret practice facilities.
1: You know, and there were some cities where the players all all you know. The Nets and Knicks, quite frankly, from what I understand, most of their players left New York, um, mm-hmm. whereas the Lakers and in the in the, in the Clippers, a lot of their players stayed in L.A., you know, so some of it was just the idea that where physically you were, you know, the yep. the Raptors, for example, were north of the border. All of their players, I believe, except for one, are American. And so they all came back to home, you know, so some of it was a matter of your market, but um, so I was concerned about the quality of play. It has been better than I thought. It is not great. The playoffs start August 17th. Um, And so, you know, these next couple of weeks there will be games. I don't know. I think it'll all be a little bit of um, trial and error, but I, I think you'll you'll like what you see. The NBA did not want it to feel like a completely empty environment. Now baseball is limited; they have a, you know, they have these stadiums with forty thousand empty seats. It's a little bit difficult. The NBA has basically surrounded these. These courts with video boards, and they use the video boards in many different ways. Um, they put the team logos on there to make the home, the quote-unquote home team feel like it's at home. They can use it for advertising, like I said. And one of the things that they are um, that they are doing is they are letting fans come in to in real time, allegedly real time, sitting in front of their webcams. And they can be, and unlike baseball where there's cutouts, you can actually have live fans in a matrix along around the court. You know, if it's a, if it's a war, if it, it's a, a Raptors home game, Raptors fans, if it's a, uh, you know, a jazz home game, jazz fans, and then that they will be able to cheer as a, you know, somewhat collective. Now, whether that technology <laughs> is actually going to make any sense the NBA is experimenting. The other thing is the broadcasts are experimenting with fake crowd noise. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're gonna hear a wide range of opinions on that. I think between now and that playoff date, the broadcasters may be doing some experimenting too.
2: So when we spoke in March, we were, you know, we had our early March information and, and lots of what we know about coronavirus and COVID is change, has changed, is changing. And so all of this is a big asterisk, but right now, as it stands, it doesn't look like we're gonna be able to have anything approaching normal sporting events in America for many, 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 many months. Um, you know, maybe next spring. So as the NBA is, would like to have another season this year, right, they wanna sort of restart the next season, uh, at the end of 2020, that, do I have the timing right?
1: They're hoping to, yeah.
2: So do they imagine they bring back the bubble then what what's the current conversation
1: So this is this is something that is while everybody is focused on Orlando the business ask the business operations of the rest of the league is obsessed with what, with the question that you just asked what is the best thing to do uh, do do they start up again basically right on the heels of this, take a month off, take November off and come back in December and um, have the finals and everything you know next summer as normal? Does this bubble work? And if you're not going to have fans anyway, do you look at uh, another bubble environment or multiple bubbles um, because if that's the only way to, to uh, execute the games – or with the, you know, the, the belief and the hope about a vaccine, do you just delay? Do you push next season off and you take another four or five months off and hope that you can have a vaccine, not only for the safety of the players, but for the concept that you can bring fans in? Because, Peter, about 40 percent of the NBA's revenue is derived from the people in the building, not just for the ticket buying and the beer buying, but, you know, the, 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 the sponsorships and not just the signage. Um, that you see, um, but also a huge, huge way teams do money now is with naming rights. They have all of these clubs mm-hmm. and they're, you know, Lexus buys this club and BMW buys this club. And and, and that's all gone. Um, the Golden State Warriors, who have this brand new arena, was completely built on to squeeze every dollar out of this new arena. And, and for them, about 80 percent of their revenue is based on that arena, based on fans coming to that arena. And so, you know, uh, so the, the, the thought process is, which is the best path? And and we can sit here in July and, and guess, but, but we may not know until October. We may not what's, know until what's, December.
2: Is there one school of thought that sort of has the most momentum or has the most powerful folks pushing for it? Or is everyone sort of shrugging their shoulders at this point saying, we literally don't know?
1: Yeah, I, I think, so they're working on scenario A, B, C, D, E, whatever. I think the idea that I would, you know, the thing is, I, I think there's never going to be a one size fits all, Peter, because um, we're going to have markets where they're probably going to allow fans. Like, uh, you know, they seem to be very aggressive in states like Atlanta and Florida. It's very possible that the Atlanta Hawks will be allowed to have 5,000 people in their building or, or 7,500 people in their building and they can sell tickets, whereas the Golden State Warriors and L.A. Lakers cannot. And so do you go forward from that? And, and, and then you have to make a deal with the players because while teams revenues are now obviously going to be going to fluctuate, mostly fluctuate down, players contracts are guaranteed. You know, I signed a contract in 2018 for four years. It says what I'm supposed to get paid in 2021. Well, you know, they're going to have to come to an agreement with the players. They're going to have to basically reduce their contracts. And that's actually already happened. The players right now since um since may have been taking a pay cut uh you know every player is getting you know i think about 10 or 15 percent less so um that's all got to be worked out but um
2: so we're looking at the spectacle of millionaires negotiating with billionaires and 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 the fans themselves won't have a lot of sympathy for it that's right Um, but i i think that one difference there is that i think pretty much everyone in america uh, right now has at least some degree of empathy for the idea that no one really knows what's happening. We're all c- unfortunately making up it as we go. Any, 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 Anyone who's got kids who are supposed to go back to school right. in September knows about this kind of uncertainty. So I guess, and this is the worst kind of journalism, you go, we'll wait and see but we will wait and see. Um, so maybe we can come back and talk to you in a few months, see how it's all going.
1: Yeah, and I hope that um, everything I said here didn't prove to be foolish. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's You know, that's my only gambit.
2: I don't know. I, I credit you for getting it mostly right last time out. I, I will, so we'll see, we'll see how this one holds up. Brian, thanks for your time. Thank you, Peter. Take care. Thanks again to Brian for coming on. He always makes me feel smarter. Next up, we're going to hear from Lindsay Adler from The Athletic. But first, we're going to hear from a fine sponsor.
0: Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him. The sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business.
2: Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. I'm speaking with Lindsay Adler from The Athletic, who normally covers the Yankees, and in an ideal world, she'd, she'd be traveling around the country this summer following the Yankees. But right now, that's not happening. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you. Uh, I want to talk to you about, about your job and what you're doing, And, and but, but I want to start off with sort of the state of Baseball. We're recording this Wednesday morning. Things can change by the time people hear this in a day. But tell us where, where we are with baseball today. It seems like we're continuing on with baseball, even though there was a well-publicized outbreak of COVID with the Marlins.
3: I would describe it as currently contained chaos. Um, I would say Sunday through Tuesday were very intense. The Marlins outbreak... As of Tuesday, was up to fifteen players and two staff members, and it that's out of what, 60,
2: 60 players out the, of thirty, players,
3: 30 on players on the active mm-hmm. rosters. Uh, yeah, the math is the math is not in their favor there, but it wound up canceling games for four teams. It rearranged schedules for the Yankees and Orioles, and the Marlins are now shut down until next week.
2: So the Marlins are not playing. That's nope. the Florida Marlins. Uh, so obviously, the, the games they had scheduled with other teams are not happening. And are mm-hmm. other other teams? Are, are there other games that are canceled that are not Marlins related?
3: <laughs> so it, it really kind of set off, you know, kind of a chain reaction. The Marlins on Sunday had four positive cases that morning, and then they played against the Phillies. And so then the Marlins were supposed to go back to Miami for their home opener and the Baltimore Orioles were going to go play them. And the Yankees headed to Philly to face them Monday and Tuesday. So you have these two series with these four teams. And when the Marlins got, you know, another bigger wave of positive tests on Monday, they shut down the Marlins Orioles game and the Yankees Phillies game. Out of precaution. And then the Phillies players were retested on Monday. Those samples, it's the saliva-based test where they spit in a tube. Those Uh samples were taken to Rutgers University, tested. But since those test results did not come back until Tuesday morning, the Yankees' Tuesday night game in Philly was postponed as well. And so it really kind of set off this, you know, really big fear. You know, this is, this is the first big outbreak and right. it's, it's bad. It's, it's 17 people. Um, so it's just kind of been a whirlwind.
2: So you have this cascading effect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw, I was talking to Brian Windhurst uh, from ESPN. And we all remember what happened uh, way back in March when Rodrigo Bear uh, tested positive and you had that crazy scene where the arena is being cleared out and no one in the nose is going on. And, you know, you could cut, the NBA, a little slack because they weren't really ready for this, but baseball has had four months to prepare for this. They're supposed to have a system that, that allows for the idea that people are going to get sick over the season. So what, what happened? Did something go wrong or is this actually the plan? Is this actually baseball's, is baseball's, is is this things working to plan?
3: I believe that the league is working pretty hard to find out to, to the best of their ability, where this outbreak started with the Marlins. But the thing to understand about baseball versus basketball is basketball is played in a bubble, whereas baseball's protocols, you know, they're very extensive and they make a lot of sense, but they are very reliant on personal accountability.
2: The, the, and, the main idea is that teams are traveling mm-hmm. from stadium to stadium like they normally would. They're playing in an empty stadium. Um, so th- that's their version of the. They don't have a bubble. They're just supposed to take no. care of themselves and, and travel.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not sure that we will publicly ever get a real answer with what happens with the Marlins. I'm not sure if there's privacy concerns, things like that, but MLB seems to be hoping, depending on how tests for the Phillies come back over the next couple of days, You know, hoping that this is contained to the Marlins and everyone else, all other 29 teams are able to proceed normally, maybe with a uh, heightened sense of accountability and taking precaution.
2: So the idea is MLB wants to believe this is a one off event. That this is unfortunate that half of a team got got sick, and that the other this won't happen at the other twenty nine teams, and they can proceed as normal. Carry on, hopefully. Okay, I've never met you. I'm looking at you through a video screen. You seem to have a skeptical face, or, or you seem to be treating this proposition skeptically. <laughs> what do you? What do you, I mean? I we can't predict the future, but what do you think happens to baseball this year? Or do we get through the the regular season into the playoffs without another sort of major catastrophe?
3: I think the issue is there's no actually well-defined limit for what ends the season or what shuts a team down. You know, there's no specific number, you know, if five players on the Marlins test positive, then they're shut down for four days. There's, there's nothing like that. And the choice to end the season is left to the, you know, discretion of the commissioner. And so it's, it's subjective and the, kind of threshold that the league gave this week was getting to a point where maybe a team is non-competitive um which I would say having 15 of 30 players test positive is non-competitive but you know you mentioned Rudy Gobert and that was I was in Tampa during Yankee spring training that night I was watching on TV and it very much feels to me like a you know a where were you situation you know I packed up my stuff and flew back to New York quickly. And I would say that Monday and Tuesday definitely felt like a Rudy Gobert situation, but now the sport presses on. So it's an interesting test of how this is going to work.
2: So speaking of interesting, you, you are a beat writer, you cover baseball, you cover the Yankees. Your job is to cover the ins and outs of the Yankees and, and be aware of the league in general. You now, I guess, have to add amateur epidemiologists and infectious disease specialists to your list uh, of, of attributes. How much of your time are you spending sort of thinking about your health and safety, health and safety of, of the league versus sort of who's, who's pitching well?
3: I would say that I have approximately zero brain space left for anything that is not baseball Uh and coronavirus and baseball. It's, it's complicated. It's something that I think about a lot because there are a lot of fans who, I mean, it's been a bad year watching baseball is enjoyable. You know, even knowing all of the risks when I've been watching games at home, I've really enjoyed it. So there's a lot of people who do just want to read about the pure baseball side, but I want to make sure that You know, if I look back in five to 10 years, my coverage reflects what this was actually like. So I'm thinking about it a lot and I'm trying to find the balance. And in terms of my safety, the league has pretty well-defined media protocols. We don't get tested like the players and staff do. I know that in the NBA bubble, the reporters are getting tested every day. We're not getting tested. We get temperature checks. There's a limit on how many of us can be in the press box. And fortunately, the press box at Yankee Stadium is very large. It's open air. I don't think that I've really come within 10 feet of anyone in the, I don't know, 10 or so times that I've been there since training camp starts. So I feel okay, but I do feel that I have a lot of personal responsibility to decide, am I going to drive three states away to watch this sport or is it better for me to stay home?
2: Do you have the option? Of, I mean, I I, I can and kind of have to do my work remotely, although I'm actually going to the office today for a couple <laughs> hours. But, but I, you know, this is, I'm working from home indefinitely. Um, do you have the option of, of covering the Yankees from home?
3: Yes, my editors have been very, you know, firm. None of us have to go to the ballpark if we're not comfortable with it. I am still kind of trying to figure out that balance for myself. But, you know, there, there is the option. And I would say really at home, I have access to the pre- and post-game Zoom media availabilities. I can watch the game. It's just for me, when I'm writing about it, it's just a little bit different for me to see it in person. Sure. So I would like to continue doing that. I do think that even if I'm not talking to players one-on-one in the clubhouse or on the field, seeing the game for myself, hopefully, hopefully uh, enhances, you know, my coverage for readers, but it's a constantly evolving, like cost benefit analysis, I would say.
2: So before we started recording, you would tell me that you were supposed to go to Baltimore, but then you realized you couldn't go to Baltimore because once you went to Baltimore, you'd be quarantined when you came back to New York. It never once occurred to me that, that this, this was an issue for a, for a sports reporter in 2020, but of course it is. Um, Had you sort of thought that through in advance? Or is this something that just sort of popped up for you as well?
3: It's really strange because I really feel that I rely on not just those, you know, in-person things that I can pick up. You know, I mean, it's just different on a broadcast. I can't necessarily see every defensive alignment. I can't see every kind of weird thing going on in the dugout or on the field. And really, you know, those in-person interactions with players and staff really what's important, but I am all safety first. I will, I will sacrifice talking to players from 10 feet away. If it means that everyone stays safe, this is not how I expected to spend the season. (laughs) I think everyone would be happier if we were not in this situation.
2: So is your plan then to travel with the team when you can, I guess you'd have to sort of hope that they're playing in states that New York allows travel from, which is, I think, not that many right now?
3: Yeah, I had expected... So the Yankees were scheduled to play in Philly Monday and Tuesday, and Garrett Cole was supposed to pitch on Tuesday, so I was planning on just kind of making it a long day trip from New York. Just drive out there in the morning, drive back at night. I don't know, really, if that's in the cards. And, yeah, it... You know, as the number of, like... States that now have quarantine restrictions when you re-enter New York State. I think that's kind of going to um, set the parameters for me. But I'm not getting on an airplane this season. I'm not going anywhere n- near Florida. So I was kind of thinking that I would just stick to the Philly, Baltimore, DC kind of the
2: corridor area. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and let's talk a little bit about about the actual. Games and 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 the product. I watched a little bit of. A, I just sort of had it on a background uh, a few days ago. Uh, it was an A's game, I guess, probably opening day. Um, and I got a giggle out of the the funny uh, cutouts in the stands. Listening to the play by play was interesting because there was a lot of discussion of Black Lives Matter, um, which is also very different in twenty twenty. It seemed like the baseball was baseball. I think there's a couple rule changes that are mainly around the DH. Is, is anything I mean does it look like baseball look like last year?
3: It looks like baseball, but it looks like sloppy baseball. I would say the three yeah, the three games the Yankees played against the Washington Nationals, the games on Saturday and Sunday, they were they were pretty sloppy for both of them and you know I think a lot of players did a really good job of like staying in game ready shape um whether they're a pitcher or a hitter but i think having a very short you know spring training 2.0 mostly intra-squad games like guys just aren't really tuned up to the flow of it so it's it's definitely baseball and it has definitely still kind of triggered that like you know part of my lizard brain that's like you know strikeouts and home runs this Mm is great um just hope, I, I think over the next couple of weeks, it'll just kind of tighten up a little bit.
2: And what what's the audience reaction? Um, people are starved for sports, right? There's a whole theory that that the stock market is being influenced because there's people who would normally be watching sports and betting on sports and they're betting on stock instead. Um, are, are they flocking back to watch baseball in, in record numbers just because it's there or something else?
3: Yeah, the the Yankees and Nationals opening day game on Thursday, which was eventually shortened by rain. ESPN sent out a release. It was like just an absurd number of viewers, um, you know, kind of record setting for them. There was a lot of interest there. I am not sure in terms of general television audiences, I have felt that more people have been reading my work, engaging with my work, you know, kind of, it's kind of reverting back to the, natural dynamics where I can just tweet about, you know, someone's day at the plate or something. And there are five people who agree with me strongly and five people who disagree with me strongly. And I'm like, okay, so this is just, this is just how it works pre We're and back. post-pandemic. Right. We're back. Yes. <laughs> We're back. Yes.
2: Okay. Well, I, I mean, we'll take normalcy in any, whatever version we can get it. Um, If you had to bet today on whether we finish a season and get through a World Series, what what do you think the odds are?
3: I would say that when I am in the ballpark, it feels like we're going to get through the season. And then when I am sitting at home reading or reporting the news, it does not. I would say this Marlins situation kind of influences that, but I think it's still 50-50. I just, it's too hard to gauge where this yeah. is going because it
2: was, it was a dumb trick question but i i appreciate that you you answered it you 50 50 is always the right answer right it could happen it could not i
3: mean i have no expectations anymore after this year i'm i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm done predicting things i think
2: i just looking at you and i'm looking at the thinking of the the dog sitting in everything in flame <laughs> picture this is fine it's
3: i got three text messages from people with the Yankees with the, this is fine dog yesterday. So
2: <laughs> okay. yes. Right. That is, yes, that is, mm-hmm. it. that is, that is the meme says it all. Um, I'm going to let you get back to work. I appreciate your time, Lindsay Adler from The Athletic. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Lindsay. Now we're going to chat with Tanya Ganguly, who is live in the bubble in Orlando. I'm speaking with Tanya Ganguly. She covers the Los Angeles Lakers for the Los Angeles Times and she is in the bubble in Orlando. Welcome, Tanya. Thanks,
4: thanks for having me.
2: Um, How long have you been in the bubble?
4: I got here on July 12th.
2: So I think this is a good Rorschach test. I think some people, if you said you are either going to cover basketball, you're gonna go to Disney World and do nothing but either play basketball or watch people play basketball for up to three months. Some people would say, that's great. Sign me up. And others would say, I want no part of this. I, I need more going on in my life. Um, it's your job, so you have to do it. But how is it going?
4: It's going pretty well. I think I sort of fall in the middle of what you're talking about. Um, I, it's, it's just such a cool opportunity to be able to cover this experiment here. Um, so it was important to me that I got to do it but also there is the fact that like I'm not going to I'm not going to see anybody but like these reporters that are here and NBA people and like the teams that I'm around. I'm not going to see like anyone from any other part of my life until I'm out of here in September. So um, there's a little bit of both. I mean, I think it has been really fun to see the basketball up close and to see be there for the practices and and to be in the arena for the games. It's a totally different experience from what I understand from watching it on TV because you can hear so many things and you're so close to the action. So that's been really fun. But I do, I mean, there's plenty that I miss from being on the outside.
2: It's like being deployed in the Army, right? Except you're going to Disney World for three months. And are you in for the duration or are you there sort of as long as the Lakers Clippers are there?
4: So I am going to be, there's there's, there's a point during the, there's a point during this process that the NBA has allowed news outlets to switch person. It can only be done one time for the most part. Um, so I'm going to be switching out with a colleague of mine in early September. And, uh, then I'll, I think I'll, the plan is for me to come back if the Lakers are in the finals, not to inside the bubble, but to the second tier that's right outside the bubble. Uh, so I'll still get to experience it a little bit, but, um, I'll be in here at least for a little over another month.
2: So the the players have been practicing and and scrimmaging uh, and now the the official season kicks off or the remainder of the official season kicks off on on Thursday when this podcast is out. Um, I want to hear what their life is like, but first I want to get a sense of what your day is. Um, uh, Do you have a... I think we were going back and forth and you weren't sort of sure what your schedule was because you hadn't heard from the NBA. It seems like a lot of your day is sort of dictated by what the NBA is telling you you should and shouldn't do or what you can and can't cover. What's an average day for you right now?
4: So they ask us to give them our requests two days in advance. So I
2: want to like, interview so and so, or I want to go see this game.
4: I want to go to this practice or I want to go to this game. Um, for, for Thursday night's game for the opening games, they, they asked us yesterday. So today's Tuesday, they asked us three days in advance because they wanted to sort of get ahead of things. So that's part of why it's hard for me to to say what my schedule is going to be like a week from now. And actually I've been talking to some other reporters about this, like, cause we're all getting a lot of podcasts and radio requests and some, some stations, they think they're being considerate by, I mean, I, I think everyone thinks they're being considerate by giving you as much advanced warning as possible, uh-huh. but it gives us so much anxiety. Cause we're like, we, I have no idea what like my day is going to be like in two days. Cause they haven't told me yet if I'm approved for this or if I'm, I'm approved for that practice or that game. So we find out we find out the night before. Everybody gets their approvals the night before and then you plan your day accordingly. It can really be any time. I mean, they don't like the it's not like they're giving doing the West Coast teams a favor and letting them practice later. They're everybody's everybody's practicing at whatever time the NBA says they will. Sometimes that's nine AM, sometimes that's six PM. Who can say?
2: Mm-hmm. And so there. Are you, I'm assuming that you don't have autonomy in terms of like, you don't get to walk wherever you want to go, that you're sort of have to badge, you got to get badged in, you're approved for this, but not that. When you're not at a, at a, at an approved practice or game or whatever you're at, are you allowed to move around the campus or do you have to sort of go back to the hotel room and sit there?
4: No, we, we can move around, but it's a very limited area that we can move around to. We can't go to any of the – well, so far we have not been allowed to go to any of the restaurants. I think they're planning a like time of day, like a time of the week when they're going to allow us to maybe use some of the restaurants. Um, they just have figured out a golf schedule where they've said, like, we can go play golf at these certain, certain uh-huh. specific times. Um, what they don't want is for us to run into coaches or players who are trying to play golf out there. I've noticed over the last few days, there's been, the security seems to be a lot more aggressive in making sure people aren't going where they're not supposed to. And I'm not sure who else is in the category that we reporters are in, which is the, I would, I think we have the most restrictions on us. We have the fewest places that we can go, but it's it's not just, I know it's not just us, but I'm not quite sure who all it is, but team people the players and the people who are here with the teams, they can basically go anywhere they want. So they can they roam
2: around. Yeah. They
4: can roam around. Yeah. And they can even like visit other hotels. They can visit. I mean, everybody's here right now. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of wanting to catch up with people. And so like, you know, Frank Vogel, the Lakers coach was telling me yesterday that he, he's thinking of uh, going to visit with the Pacers staff. That's, those are people that he coached with for a very long time. The Pacers have had a lot of continuity. And so he, he, you know, he used to coach there and he's like, maybe I'll go say hi to them and hang out there a little bit. Um, so there's there's the opportunity for a lot of, for them to see a lot of different things.
2: And in terms of reporting, the craft of finding people that you want to talk to and getting them to tell you interesting things, I assume that is a very different operation for you right now because you're, you're so constrained. You can't sort of sidle up to someone after practice and get five minutes alone with them. Um, how and it, and it seems like in some ways you'd be almost better off not being in the bubble, you could, you could at least call people and you'd have freedom of movement. How, how are you compensating for those restrictions?
4: Well, it's actually, I I would actually disagree with that characterization because Uh it's, it's actually from a reporting angle, it's been pretty good. I mean, there's, there is an opportunity still, if you know someone, there is an opportunity still to talk to them because they might come up to you or they might walk by you and if you say something, they'll they'll be willing to talk to you if if you're someone that they know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that also what's also possible. One on ones are are possible here. They're allowed. Um, you know, a lot of it it's a little bit more rigid in that you'll have to you'll have to set that set it up with the PR person. Um, and but I've been to a lot of teams. I mean, if when I'm not with the Lakers or the Clippers, most of the other teams don't have very many people at their practices. And so you go to uh, Orlando magic practice, for example, and like there will, they'll, they just, what do you need? Who do you need to talk to? I didn't, I didn't really set up anything in in advance, but I was still able to get two one-on-ones with, and, and with the coach with two players and the coach, Um, the Pelicans very, you know, similar. I mean, there's, there's just, there's so few reporters here and the Lakers and Clippers command a lot of attention because, there's two beat writers from Los Angeles, um, and no other city has that. No other team has that. So, if you go outside of of the LA market, the media-starved
2: markets are. are ha- those guys are happy to talk to you. Yeah. And then, and then, in terms of like actually sort of producing work that 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 your editors want from you, that your readers want from you. Um, I'm assuming you you knocked out the the print version of our discussion multiple times already, right? Like, here's what life is like inside the bubble. And then what? I mean, now you're now you're just treating it like a normal NBA season and and talking about performance and who you can't be. I mean, what 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 are you not doing that you would be doing if this was a normal NBA season and you were in Los Angeles?
4: It's just, I think it's just a much more focused environment. And I did as as you were talking, I was also thinking about my answer to the last question because I didn't want to make I didn't want to leave the impression that the Lakers and Clippers aren't helpful. I mean, mm-hmm. that's also been easier than when we're back in LA because because there are fewer reporters physically there. Um, you're not getting I'm not getting, like, crushed by people trying to talk to LeBron James, which is what would always happen in the pre-COVID days. Um, but, yeah, I have written, like you said, I have written what's happening here, what's this been like repeatedly. I'm probably going to be writing another one coming up soon.
2: Uh-huh. When, when, Sorry. When,
4: with a little bit more, with a little bit more, a um, little bit more color from things that I've learned over the last couple of weeks. I, I have found that like people have been really interested in even like things that aren't, that I'm like, that's just a normal thing that's happening in my day. It's not, it's not interesting to me, but like, but it's also like, this is such an experiment. Like no one, this has never happened before. And so um, I think there's a lot of curiosity about how they're doing it and if it's going to work.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of curiosity um we're starved for any kind of sports information right because we just haven't had sports for months uh and you're right in the middle of it so for the players um again i've followed the tweets and initially the people were complaining about the food but the food turned out to be okay and um i think everyone sort of wants the story about the players behaving badly or or wrecking a golf cart or you know sneaking a a substance onto into into campus What's your sense of sort of how they're adapting to it? Are they sort of, have they adapted?
4: Uh, they've been here for about three weeks. Um, right now, at this point, it's not that much longer than like a long road trip might have been.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, so I think we're going to really start to see the impact of of being here and sort of the the opportunity to go stir crazy. I think we're going to see that in the next few weeks. But so if you're, you know, if you're
2: looking for the crash golf cart, drunk player story that wait a week or two uh,
4: well i think one of the um s- someone was saying yesterday that i want a david griffin with the pelicans he was saying that that there's he feels like it was really you know like the the sort of the uh, monotony of being here and being here and having to do the same things every day, like that he could see wearing on people. But once they started playing games, it was actually, he called it like a shot in the arm because he said like that really helped because finally after four and, four and a half months, teams were able to play against other teams. And so that was, that was useful for them. And he thinks that things to break up the monotony will be helpful um, in players continuing or, you know, players not being not uh, well, and f- for lack of a better way to put it, like not popping the bubble. You know, mm-hmm. not creating a situation where they're going to be dealing with something like baseball is dealing with.
2: Right, right. Um, and then, what's how are the games themselves for the players? Obviously, you can't recreate a a, a packed or even half full uh, arena. And so what is it like for them playing for basically just themselves and with themselves and other and other players and not for an audience?
4: I think the Lakers are to some degree kind of enjoying creating their own atmosphere. Um they've been the loudest team here. Like in I've I haven't watched every team play, but I've watched several teams play uh, in different arenas and I've watched the Lakers in different arenas. They're so loud. Like they it's not just it's it's the way that they talk to each other on defense, it's the way that they cheer for each other from the bench, um, the trash talk, you can hear it. They're just a very vocal team. And so I think that, you know, they are a team that feeds off of their crowd. And there are Laker fans at almost every game they they play, like not just at home on the road. Mm-hmm. They'll go and they'll hear they'll hear a cheer when, you know, they're winning a game on, in some, ho- some arena that you would think will be hostile. So they do feed off of that. But I think there's like a realization too that – they're gonna to have to do it themselves here, and and they also like really like each other. Like this is a team that somehow like they just have like they just very get along very well more than a lot of teams do, and that's part of what's helped them. That's part of what's helped them like get through some of the things that they've dealt with this season. So I think they're enjoying kind of making fun of not not making fun of the atmosphere, but like like joking around about like they'll they'll come out during warmups and like point at the point at the seats where there's right there would be a crowd normally, but there's no crowd. And like they'll they'll ham it up like that. Um just kind of be goofy with them.
2: How do you think that works by the time we get to meaningful games and playoff games and finals games where that sort of atmosphere is is part of the game and, and will be gone.
4: Yeah, it's gonna be strange. It's gonna be strange for them. And there I don't think that at that point, I don't think you're gonna be seeing as much of the joking, as much of the like, um you know, I think I think they'll still have fun with each other, but I think the tone is going to be yeah. very different. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a really strange thing for for someone like someone like LeBron who's been to so many finals and who's very comfortable with like the tension of a final series. He's not going to have that.
2: Yeah. And, and sort of when you when you take a weight away from someone sometimes that's great and sometimes it sort of unbalances them. I know this is a long way away, but in theory, if the bubble works and, and this all works and they get to have finals, then the NBA is going to be trying to figure out what to do for end of the year when the new season's supposed to start. Are, is anyone talking about that, who you're bumping into, like we might have to repeat another version of the bubble uh,
4: a few months from now? Well, I, yeah, I asked a few people about that yesterday because because of what happened with the Marlins, with all their positive tests and mm-hmm. their organization and if the NBA tries to start on time, they might be trying to do something like what baseball is doing. And it, it seems pretty clear that the travel element is what has made their process difficult is what has made their process not as smooth as the NBA's seems to have been. And of course the NBA does have problems too, but um, it's nothing like what you're, what you saw in baseball. So I think that's a big unknown right now. I think they're going to see how this goes and get through this, but they're going to start. They're going to have to start planning even before the finals end, right? For next season, because it's not going to be that long after.
2: After yeah, so is that weighing on on players' minds, or they're like, look, I got I got three months of, of of games. Hopefully, that I've got to get through, and I'll deal with everything else later.
4: I think it's that. I think that's the mentality right now. It's that like how like they have very little control over this. And like, yes, they're worrying, but they just are trying to put it out. Yes, yes, they wonder about that, but they're trying to put it out of their mind.
2: All right. I am, I am, apologize for being one of the umpteenth people to call you up and ask you what life is like in the bubble, especially <laughs> since you have to go write it. But I appreciate you making time. Uh, good luck. Be well. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're done with our sports triple header. Thanks to our advertisers. Thanks to our guests. Thanks to Jelani and Joel, who make the show. And thanks to you guys for listening. We'll be back soon.